Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Thanks again for joining us today for another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. I feel a little out of sorts because I'm getting over a bit of a medical thing, whatever that would be in this day and age, cold, bug, something. And as always on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein. And we like to kind of do that in the world of sports, of leadership, of books, of music. And today we're hitting on one of the things I really love, which is comedy. So we are blessed to have with us Bob Smiley, who I actually got to hear in person a couple different times, but the one I most remember was, Bob, you joined us in Springfield, Ohio, several, several years ago at First Christian Church. And if I recall, they packed it out pretty well for you. You were the only, there was nobody to set you up. None of the pastors tried too hard to be funny. And you came and brought your A game. And I remember a number of my friends were there and were greatly blessed by your evening with us there in Springfield. So do you remember that night at all? I mean, I know shows run together, but does anything stand out about metropolitan Springfield, Ohio, several years ago? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I remember that show. And you mentioned pastors getting up and a lot of pastors will introduce me and then they'll do, you know, they'll try a couple of jokes. And I love when they do that because it reminds everybody why I get paid to be funny. So it's a good, it and sets they get the bar paid to really try low. Not to be funny, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I always like that. Yeah, I I was in uh, East Texas two nights ago and pastor got up and tried to do some stand up and I got up after him and I was like, man, Anthony, that that was an attempt. Uh, anyway, it's good to be here. You know, like it just it's a great way to to segue into, you know, like getting the audience on my side and stuff whenever they try to get up and be really funny. And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me sh- let me show you how it's supposed yeah. to be done. So, Bob, so you, you do a lot of church work. So out of every 100 churches you speak at and do your comedy thing how many of those times would you guess a pastor somebody's trying to be funny as well when they introduce you or do whatever um if if it's out of a hundred i would say a hundred <laughs> and if like I, if how- i you know if i got to put a percentage on it i would say a hundred percent yeah that's a, that's one of the things about being a comedian is a lot of people don't know what to say whenever they approach you and so they try to be funny and a lot of times it, it'll fall because we're just real people. Like we just want to hang out. We just, you know, we're interested in your story, you know, and a lot of people will come up and try to be really funny and it kind of falls flat because, you know, I'm just meeting them for the first time. Or a lot of times people will come up and they'll say something rude thinking it's funny because they just don't know what to say. And so uh, three nights ago I, I was in Kilgore, Texas, and somebody came up to me and was like, yeah, man, your ears are big. And because I talk about it yeah. in my act, but like if somebody just came up to me at a grocery store, that would not be a good opening yeah. line. Yeah. People don't know what to say, really. Well, and think about that, Bob. To me, it's it's kind of like in marriage. Like one of the things I, and I'll be honest, I just, I ch- I'm challenged by this sometimes in marriage is like, if I go to my wife and confess something I'm struggling with, like I remember recently saying like, 
I'm just struggling as a parent right now. Like parenting four teenagers is hard. And then maybe she'll say something to add to that. I'm like, whoa, 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 no. I'm telling you it's hard. I'm telling you I'm not doing a great job. Like, like for you to say, yeah, don't acknowledge big ears. I'm already telling you I got big ears. Yeah. If I meet a plumber for the first time, I'm not going to like fix a toilet in front of him. You know, like I'm just going to ask him his name or, or say, you know, yeah. if he's fixed my, uh, you know, sink or something, I'm going to tell him I appreciate it, you know, or I really like what he does or things like that. But yeah, people, for some reason with comics, they feel the pressure to come up and, and try to be funny to them. And it's, it, it, it's always interesting. You know, it, it very rarely happens like and goes the way that they want it to, but it's, it's always an adventure. Okay. So that rarely happens, but when it does happen and maybe I would guess the person's not even trying to be funny. What is that like for you to just say, wow, this person is really funny. Give me a moment like that. Well, so we we had open house uh, from one of our kids' schools, and so we went up and specifically was like meeting the teachers of one of our kids, mainly who was going to be the ISS probation officer. We really want to get to know them early on, and um, so we were meeting with the chemistry teacher, and that dude was just naturally funny. He wasn't trying to be funny. He just was funny, and I just sat back like, Oh, I don't want to go to any other classes. Yeah. I just want to hang out with this dude. Like, I, I just want to like listen to him. And he uh, used to teach in Dubai, and he just had amazing stories. And so I was I kind of forgot that I was there to you know get the, the coursework and all that kind of stuff. It just ended up like because comics gravitate toward other funny people. That's why sure. most comics, their best friends are just comics and stuff. And so, yeah, every once in a while, whenever you, you meet somebody that has that spark, that has that, you know, that humor bone, uh, you you definitely you want more of it. You crave it. You, sure. You're like, oh, OK, let's hang out. Yeah. Wow. Does that happen? Since you said you're naturally drawn to people funny, your kids are in school. So then do you build a relationship with people like that when it's someone local that you can actually hang out with them? I mean, is that, I mean, it's clearly it's going to happen out on the road. I mean, you know, we'll talk a little bit about John Branion and Tim Hawkins and community like that. But when you meet someone, whether it's a church at your kid's school, who's naturally funny and you see where that could go somewhere, are you quick to jump in and say, yeah, Hey, let's, let's grab lunch. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like two years ago, uh, we changed churches. And so we were in this uh, life group, this, uh, you know, like Sunday school uh, class, and we were trying to get to know people. And this guy was standing over to the side talking to somebody else. And he made a reference to the movie Airplane. And he threw it out there. And I was talking to somebody else, but I take in everything. Like that's part of the way my brain works is I'm like constantly noticing everything around me. And he did that quote and I turned in a look and the two guys he were talking to did not get the quote and he didn't stop and explain it. He just went on. And I was like, okay, that's going to be my best friend in this life group. And so I went up to him afterwards. I was like, we got to grab coffee and don't call me Shirley. And he laughed and he, and, and so we are like becoming really good friends because of that. So it was that I just heard this guy yeah. who just threw out this jewel and it just died and bombed. And he was like, okay, I was doing it for me, you know, and I was like, oh, hang on. I want, yeah. I want part of your life. Well, that, that says a lot about you right there, Bob, that you really are, are a present in the moment to be in this conversation, probably clearly, I'm guessing paying attention to what's going on here, but also picking something up on the side, like, Ooh, they missed it, but I'm grabbing hold of that. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. So, Hey, I can get us way off track here. Cause you're saying stuff that I could want to flow with, but let's jump in. And as you were talking, changing churches and all that, it's always good to start off by getting a three minutes. That's kind of a good number of testimony. Give us your three minutes being drawn to Jesus, 
and what was going on in your season of life to jump in and say you're your savior and king now okay are you going to give me the light like at a comedy club when i get close to the three minutes you're no we are not doing that with you bob um, okay, so three-minute testimony. Uh, grew up in a very, very small town, 281 people in it. Uh, my dad's joke was our idea of a large industrial company was a 200-pound Avon lady. Like, it was just an incredibly small town. So I was known as the funny kid. And, you know, and I wasn't the class clown. I wasn't trying to disrupt the flow of the classroom or anything, but I was the funny kid. Everybody knew it. And my dad was the superintendent, so he was very funny. So as far as my testimony... My parents are really awesome, just good people, and they love Jesus. And so the way they raised me, which was, I think, the best way to raise me, because I'm very strong-willed and very, you know, my own opinion, is they, they, you know, had me go to church, but they weren't trying to cram uh, the gospel down my throat or anything. They basically presented it like, this is what we believe, and we've seen God work actively in our lives, so we hope that you pursue that. And so I, because I respected my parents so much, uh, I looked into it and started reading the Bible young. And uh, again, I just saw God working in my life. I saw God, uh, things I'd read in the Bible actually protected me from making mistakes in school that I watched my friends, you know, get off morally on, you know, off track on, on life and make a lot of mistakes and stuff. And I had this protection because God had given me his word to kind of guide me uh, through life and you know, my dad is super funny. He actually convinced me if the ice cream van was playing music, it meant it was out of ice cream. So that's that's kind of how I grew up in a very, very funny, like always messing with people way. But when it came time to worshiping God and, uh, you know, going to church and, and reading the Bible and stuff, uh, my parents were very serious about that. And I thought, well, you know, these are very intelligent, good people and everybody loves them. And so if they you know, what makes them special from everybody else? And it was their faith in God. And so I, that it was such an easy jump to start pursuing that on my own. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's really how I became a Christian was, you know, I had very good, uh, family and I had a foundation of going to church and, and most of the people in my little small school were not Christian. So I was, you know, faced with the idea of, okay, am I going to, am I going to, you know, hold strong on my faith and I'm, am I going to kind of be a light in a dark place? And, uh, I decided early on that, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And again, I just, I felt God's pr protection and just seeing, you know, some of the opportunities he gave me through life and stuff, uh, made it pretty easy to, to follow him. You know, it's amazing what you said. I, I mean, you had no clue how I would be coming into this interview, but I, I've had two conversations already this morning about, the challenge right now, being a dad, and I've been intentional and trying to still implant what God wants me to implant in a 19, 17, 15, 13-year-old, and yet giving them freedom and asking for permission or letting them come to me and being kind of hands-off, almost like you give them the rope to hang, but you, you're close enough where you can help. And there's so much freedom in what you just shared that that testimony blesses me big time. The whole time you're talking, I'm picturing your dad. As a superintendent, you don't start as a superintendent. You're a teacher, probably assistant principal, principal, then superintendent. You got to have a firm hand of discipline. But he gave you, and I'm sure your mm -hmm. mom as well, some freedom there that, wow, I need to hear that testimony today. 
Yeah. My dad started out as a football coach. So I thought he would give me plays of how to do life, you know, based on, on scripture and stuff like that. Like you got to run this route and stay away from these people, you know, and all that. But no, he, uh, yeah, they, they provided a great example for me, but then also, you know, gave me room for it to become my faith and not just their faith glommed onto me. And it was, and I've got, my wife and I, we've got five tax deductions from ages 12 to 23, and they're all drastically different. And so how we approach them and how we try to, you know, breathe biblical wisdom into their lives is is different based on, you know, their uh, makeup in life and their you know personality traits and things like that. And so, yeah, it, parenting, it, it is a roller coaster because they're all different. They're all, you know, got their own uh, hopes and dreams and stuff. And so you just try to keep them focused on the things that are important in life. Your humor cracks me up because it is like a a football game that you know you better not go to the bathroom until the commercial comes. Like when you drop stuff there, like five tax deductions, people can miss it if they, I've heard your stuff enough. I know when you're going to say, okay, like here's the, the word or the phrase or whatever, but I love that you, you're an gotta be on your toes for Bob Smiley kind of humor. Yeah. And if you get up and go to the bathroom during my show, you're going to be in one of the plays because you're I'm going to call attention to that. hundred percent. I love that. So let me ask you this. You mentioned you know, your dad's a superintendent. You do a lot of stuff at churches. We joked about pastors and them trying to be funny. Where do you look at a profession like and choose one or talk about both a superintendent, what your dad did or a pastor? We, we talk about how athletes are maybe jealous of musicians and musicians are jealous of athletes and all these professions are jealous of each other. What do pastors get to do or like your dad as a superintendent where you're like, dang, they're getting to do something kind of cool that I don't get to do. Well, I mean, pastors, they get to present the gospel every single week, Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. Um, I may not have a show for a week and a half or I may not you know, get to go out and make people laugh, but they have a built in audience. They have people coming to them that are hungry for the word or hopefully. And so they they have that uh, opportunity every single week to hone their craft and stuff. And, you know, I'll go, sometimes I'll go two weeks before I get to do a show. And so I am kind of jealous about, you know, I'm really close friends with my pastor now. And, you know, I'm like, man, he gets a captive audience, you know, two times every Sunday morning where he gets to, to get up and, and present the gospel. And so I do get a little jealous of that. My, my dad being a superintendent, that's really how I learned about comedy was he was so funny and he could walk in any room and he could read the crowd, the atmosphere, and he knew how to use humor to either alleviate a tense situation or to, you know, meet somebody new. My dad would come and eat lunch with me at the cafeteria. And even though I was this goofy little kid, everybody wanted to sit at our table mm -hmm. because my dad and I, and we wouldn't plan anything out. We wouldn't like write bits or anything, but we would just recap the day or tell stories from what we did this weekend. And people would want to sit and listen to us because it was funny. And so I realized early on that like comedy would draw people in and they'll lower their walls. If you can make them laugh, you're giving them a gift, Amen. like a gift of laughter. They'll lower their walls and then they'll listen to you because you've given them this gift. And so I realized like when I first started doing stand up, I was like, oh, these people like they're with me. I can take them anywhere I want to go for an hour on any kind of ride. And so since they're going with me, I might as well tell them about Jesus. I might as well give them some encouragement or share some testimonies and stuff. And I, I realized that power from watching my dad 
just him using comedy as a very, very powerful tool. I do a joke in my act where I say, and this is true. I've read an article. It was a medical journal that said laughter is 10 times more powerful than morphine. And the joke I'd tell on stage is I, I was like, you know, I, I'm not saying we don't need morphine. If I break my leg in half, I don't want my doctor standing over me going, knock, knock, you know, yeah. say who's there so I can fix you. But that that is true. Laughter is a powerful tool that God gave us for free. And so if we can take that free gift that he's given us and give it to other people, it's just going to make the other people's day a little better. It's going to give them uh, a little relief in a crazy time. And I learned that early on, just watching my dad, how he used comedy. Well, you know, I, I think in, within the body, the big C body of Christ, we talk a lot about what unifies us. And I think a lot of people will say worship music and being together, worshiping is like the thing. I think humor mm -hmm. takes it to another level. I think when I've been with people, church setting, sports bar, comedy club, arena, and people laugh together and you get to look at each other's faces. There's something to me that's even more powerful than that. I mean, do you agree with that statement I just made? Do you disagree? I mean, I think it's as, it's as highest uh, level it can be. I totally agree with that statement. In fact, a lot of churches are, have started realizing that because they used to bring in a lot of bands and try to get music. And I think they start. And in fact, I've had several church leaders talk to me about this, where they were like, we used to try to bring in bands all the time, but finding the right band that plays the right music that is for the masses that everybody enjoys is difficult, but everybody likes to laugh. Everybody yep. enjoys laughing. And so if you can bring in somebody that just gives laughter to everybody, then you have a better shot of like being able to do something for your community or for your church group that everybody enjoys. And so I absolutely agree with that. I, I see that all the time now. Well, and the other thing I tell people that's so fun is I'm, I'm a big event. Let's go have this great moment thing together, whether it's a recent trip I took to Montana with some guys and father son thing, or it's a retreat center or whatever it is. When I've gotten to take people for their very first time ever to hear a comedian in a church, comedy club, arena, whatever, they are so geeked out like they didn't even know that was possible. And I think somehow in a church, we've done a poor job of making, you know, like humor an okay thing over the years. I think it's gotten better. But like when I go to this place in Indiana quite regularly, I will have gone by the end of the year about six times and I sit around a fire or we're eating dinner and there's 10, 15, 20 guys sitting around. If Jesus was there, he'd be laughing harder than anybody. I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah. Hang on. I'm making sure my phone works because I didn't get a text invite from you, but <laughs> nope, still seems like it's working, but so which, which retreat? You, I mean, so. you're in Texas. So when do you want to go to Indiana, Montana? You tell me which one you're looking for. And we'll go. <laughs> I'll go. No, there's an, there's an old joke that my grandfather told me, but it was a uh, family was sitting in church and the kid like they finished a song and they, it was quiet and the kid just shouted out, praise the Lord, because he was so moved. And the dad slapped him on the leg and said, hey, we don't do that here. You know, and it's it's an old joke, but it makes a great point. A long time ago, especially when I first started, there was that stipulation that, you know, I don't know if it's OK to laugh out loud in a church building or it. And which is ridiculous because of all the people in the world that should be joyful and should be laughing and should not be worried about this world because God is in control. We should be the ones yeah. laughing the loudest. We should be the ones with the most joy. And so the idea that, 
you know, you can't laugh in a church building or anything is, and, and thankfully that seems to have passed. That seems to be a thing in, in the past. So now whenever I go in, I'm not worried about people feeling like, you know, cause they, they, they feel like they have to be reverent and, you know, quiet and, you know, and sing the songs, but yeah. not, you know, from their soul. And so, and I think a lot of that is going away. I remember the first uh, tour I did in England, uh, the first night I landed, I was jet lagged and I was like, okay, but I was, I was hyped. I was ready to do my first show overseas. And it was in a church of England, very, you know, stifling, cold, you know, castle like, and I got up there and I sweated through an hour and 15 minute show where they just, they would do, a, I would see people like going <clears throat> and then covering their mouth and afterwards this couple came up to me and they actually said this this is going to sound like an old joke too but this couple came up and they said that was so funny it was all we could do not to laugh and i was like why why wouldn't you laugh and they were like well because we're in church and so the rest of the tour i had them introduce me as he's a comedian he's here to make you laugh out loud which is totally okay because god loves laughter and just having that little introduction to remind people the rest of the tour went great but there you know there there are people that that kind of struggle with that i'm not sure if that was your question but no well i'm still thinking about the fact that you said you didn't get the invite from me now bobby you better do your homework next time when you go on a podcast because when people tease me like that and make a joke about like me following up and engaging you in something really cool like you know we talked offline about my buddy at Grace College and trying to make a connection there, or I do these father-son trips to Montana, I will follow you up. There's a guy who was on his podcast, Justin Camp, who we, I forgot how we got connected. Somebody told us to talk. He's written books and a blog or whatever. People said we need to connect. So I reached out to him. We were able to connect. And he's in San Francisco. I'm in Ohio. And 15 minutes late into our, so we've been talking for 45 minutes. Last 15 minutes, we get to talk about fatherhood. He tells me about some challenges with his son, just them doing life together. I tell him about this place in Montana. Guess what? 10 months later, he's with me in Montana. So I've been known to throw stuff out. People tease me back and I'll come at you heavy and hard and we'll play in all kinds of cool stuff together, Bob. Good. Spider. Bring it. Okay. Now, how many boys do you have? Yeah. I have five boys. They're all boys. Oh, and what are their ages? Uh, they are 12, 16, 17 about to be 19 and 23. So all five of those boys could go to Montana. Your 12-year-old next, would he be 13 next year? He'll be 13 next year. Yeah, that's how math works. <laughs> as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was a math major at one point. I ditched it. That's exactly why I ditched it right there. Yeah, next year would be the year older. But we're talking offline about Montana because anybody I've ever taken out there eats it up. People come from all over with a heavy concentration of Southwest Ohio. So let's get back to your audience. So I get to preach a decent bit. I've preached at over 40 churches. I get opportunities to do pulpit fill. My craziest story, speaking in front of people, I had a guy probably in his 70s one time when I was speaking, stand up, middle of my sermon, and say, hey, excuse me, could you please stay in one place? You move around a little bit. And we got people who are older in this church, and they probably can't hear what you're saying. And he was kind of rude about it. And I just looked at him, and I said, well, okay then. And I had no idea where to go with that. Like, I wanted to be respectful, but he was definitely kind of rude. Give me, like, a crazy experience yeah. you've had with an audience member. Well, oh, there's so many, but... Um, Give us the best. 
Okay. Uh, well, this happened last month. I was performing in a theater and I was losing my voice because I was doing like so many shows in a row. And I, I like when I lose my voice because my voice sounds more like a man. So I, but I was drinking a lot of water and I move around on stage all the time. Like I, I prowl the stage and this girl just yelled out, stop drinking water. And I was following all the comedy rules. Like I only took a sip when there was an applause break or like a big long laugh. So it wasn't like taken away from my show or anything, but I was drinking water because my throat was like going out and she goes, stop drinking water. And I just looked and I had five water bottles on this little table there. And I just looked at her and I just picked up the water bottle and I opened up a new one and I just drank the whole thing. Took me about 45 seconds. And at first people were laughing and then it turned into like massive applause because everybody and I looked at the I looked at the girl and she was just shaking her head like, oh, that backfired. <laughs> that shouldn't. So that was that was a fun one. But are you talking about like stories about like being heckled or things going bad? At yeah. Shows? Or just someone being an idiot and you have to put them in their place because that's part of comedy. I mean, I think someone that's able to put someone in their place when they need it is a beautiful thing. So here's one really quick. I was doing a big uh, youth rally and it was outdoors. It was a tent. It was about 800 kids, but there were no chairs. So everybody was sitting on the ground and it's, you know, hot and I'm up there and I am youth groups. I love doing them, but you have to keep their attention. Like you have to have a punchline every 15 seconds. And so I'm up there and I'm like going and going. And this girl down front would not quit talking. She just kept shouting stuff out at me. And Afterwards, I found out that she was bipolar and I found that out because her youth leader who was sitting close by came up afterwards and told me, which I don't know why he wouldn't have like tried to contain her or something, but she just kept, but I didn't know. And so I turned and I wasn't mean, but I definitely gave her some heckle responses to what she was saying and kind of put her in her place. Cause I was like, I've got to shut this down. I ignored her at first, but I was like, I got to shut this down or she's going to ruin this whole show. And I just said something. It wasn't super mean, but it was like to get her to be quiet. And she stood up and she started crying and she yelled out, you're the worst person in the world. And this is why this stands out in my mind. Then she started walking out. But the only exit was at the very back of the tent. Mm. So everybody's sitting on the ground. So she had to walk, like step around people. And she just continued to yell mean stuff at me. As she was doing it. So she would be like, you're, you're horrible. Can, can you, excuse me, I got to step over here. You are the worst person in the world. Excuse me, I'm trying to get out. I don't know how you call yourself a Christian. It, it took her about three minutes to walk out yeah. the whole time yelling at me. And I'm like, how do you contain that? Yeah. Like, it was just the worst yeah, that was so. That was probably the the best and worst uh, heckle that I got. There is such a fine line. I just watched a couple months ago that I guess there's this famous deal when Jamie Foxx was a part of a roast and I forgot mm -hmm. who they were roasting but this guy is clearly struggling with his comedy thing and then Jamie just like go and I thought Jamie Foxx crossed the line there I thought man he he did some damage to that guy and I'm sure the guy was able to play it out in his comedy career I forgot who the guy, what the guy's name is but have you seen that clip I'm talking about yeah and in fact that's whenever I quit liking Jamie Foxx because that was so mean. This this guy was a new comic. Yeah. Uh, he was on a roast. The only reason why he got on the roast was he was an opening comic for one of the main headliners. And he got up there and he made a joke about Jamie Foxx, which is what you do at a roast. Yeah. 
Like you make it, you make jokes about everybody on the dais. And he did that. And I mean, this guy, he was, he was very young. He wasn't established and everything. And normally that's what I love about the Christian comedy world. We're all encouraging of one another. Like there's, it is not the backstabbing, like try to get ahead of the other person, you know, mentality that the secular comedy world has. And Jamie Foxx, because he was hosting it, had a microphone. So he turned his mic back on. So now, no matter what this guy says, Jamie's going to be able to overpower him. And he just kept like, just, and it it was mean. It was just absolutely mean. I, so many comics like share that clip with, with other comics because they're like, okay, don't ever be this mean. Like we need to be more encouraging and stuff. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was, that was brutal. And it's sad because like when I saw him on comedians and cars getting coffee with Seinfeld and other stuff, I've always thought he's a very likable guy or whatever, but yeah, he just, he just seemed like he really carried that too far. Like let it go at some point. Don't just crush this guy where he's just going to get abused. And no, I mean, what's his next couple nights trying to sell tickets like? Again, this is a Christian, you know, mentality, but like we're called to encourage other people. And, you know, if Jamie wanted to shut him down, if he was offended and he's Jamie Foxx, like people are going to make fun of you. But if you can't take it like, okay, say one thing, but don't tank this whole guy's televised performance to ruin his life because of, you know, one thing that, that you have a chip on your shoulder, sure. you know, it just, yeah, it was, that was really bad. It was big shot and, and then some, so, Hey, let's move to the thing I like to do called the rapid five. So I've got five quick questions. Don't need a necessarily a ton of thought, but it's always fun to get people's response to this. So Bob, you're growing okay. up. What is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Ooh. Okay. We grew up really poor. So I'm going to say hot ham water. <laughs> it was a good day when we could have that everything about that sounds gross and i and i love ham but <laughs> come on what's your favorite childhood snack or cereal um well we really did never have um we didn't have sugar in our house so um i don't know we would have our cereal was like nutribrain goat feed like you remember whenever you would run through i know these are supposed to be quick answers but remember whenever you'd run through a field and you would get home and you'd empty out your cuffs of your pants yeah. and it'd be full of like just weeds and grass that was what our yeah. cereal was like so um that's a bit of yours if i remember correctly yeah i don't know i liked oranges you are that's the, a boring answer you are the second person in the last few days to tell me how much they love oranges i'm like of all things in the world you could love, oranges and picking out the white stringy stuff. Oh, I don't get that one at all. Here's God's great design. It comes in its own container. It's biodegradable. So you peel the container That's off true. and then you got your food right there. You don't need a lunchbox. I had a lunch. Again, we grew up poor. So my lunchbox was a uh, Nike size 10 and a half. <laughs> but an orange is its own little container. So yeah, yeah. it's it's perfect. Yeah. Nike 10 and a half. I can't wait for my son to hear that. Um, what, what is your uh, favorite book, Bob, you most like to gift to other people? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's called average boys above average year, uh, put out through focus on the family. And it's a comedy book about a middle school kid going to a new school and, um, having to deal with bullies and having to deal with making new friends and stuff like that. It's a comedy book available at bobsmiley.com. I had a feeling we might go there that, that, Wow. I, I picked these questions out pretty well. So uh, <laughs> here's one for you, Bob. So you got five boys. This should be a really interesting answer. You guys are heading on vacation. You got a long drive ahead of you. You're looking to stop for lunch. If your family is anything over the years like mine, where we think we're stopping 
and where a bathroom break needs to be or traffic or something gets wonky, we have to stop, let's say, 15 minutes early. And then I'm kind of anal about, okay, I don't want to just pull over again in 15 minutes. Let's do it here. And you know you got to stop, and you come across these three places, McDonald's, mm. Chick-fil-A, In-N-Out Burger. Where does the Smiley clan go? Oh, well, we all know Jesus, so we're going to Chick-fil-A. We're going to have the Jesus chicken. Jesus, isn't something about In-N-Out? Don't, didn't I hear something about somebody at In-N-Out high up on the chain of command as a believer? You know, that is true. I actually I actually posted something online the uh, last week, and I said, uh, I, I don't like to be controversial, but I'm going to say it. Whataburger is better than In-N-Out. And I love In-N-Out. But man, I got just beat up online about people going in and out as Christian. They have, uh, you know, scripture on their cups and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, no, in and out is is a close second. Uh, McDonald's is good if you're, you know, constipated and need to kickstart uh, something. But yeah, we're uh, my all my kids love Chick-fil-A and all actually one of my kids I don't think has had in and out. Uh, we just started getting them in Texas, but there's a there's a company called Waterburger that is just yep. hard to beat. So that's that's our go to, I think. But they all love Chick Fil A. So for our rapid fire answers, yeah, I, I think I'm doing good on You're these doing rapid well. fire. Yeah. Answers. Rapid fire is a whole different ball game with you. Yeah. Anyway, in the third grade, we moved to Weatherford, <laughs> and no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm gonna go Chick Fil A. You know what's funny about you saying? I remember your post last week when you had that about Waterburger. I thought, oh my, if if he's needing any love on response to his post, he's going to get some here because I know that's going to cause some controversy right there. Now, are you friends at all? Do you know Brian Bates and or Nate Bargatze? Oh, yeah, I know Brian. So mm -hmm. Nate and Brian, Brian's been on here, and Brian and Nate both are, like, geeked out on McDonald's. I mean, they're they're tearing it up. Like, when Nate's got his bit about, like, no, I, I didn't just happen to drive by McDonald's. No, I went out of my way to get McDonald's. Like, that's legit stuff with those two. Yeah, they. I know both of them, and both of them, they do. I, I don't know if their taste buds were removed as a kid. I guess I'm not going to get a McDonald's sponsorship now, but Probably yeah, not. I am. So in the Chicago airport, I have a lot of layovers uh, in Chicago, and there is very, very expensive restaurants all throughout there. And the cheapest place to eat there is McDonald's. And if I'm there and I have a layover and I know I've got to get food because I'm not going to get food for the next six hours – I just stand there and I kind of hang my head. I'm like, okay, gonna gonna get some reading time in later, but uh, I'm gonna do it. So that's that's the only time I eat at McDonald's is if I have a long layover in uh, in Chicago. I hope you've got like what is it, the Delta Sky High Club or somewhere like that where you get some privacy to do what you got to do, right? Yeah, I, I'm a million mile flyer on United, so they give us two free passes a year. So I have to I have to really pick. That's why if I get a, like a two hour layover, I'm like, okay, that's my day. I'm going to, you know, go to the United lounge and <laughs> eat as bad you as know. you want. So you can spend that extra time in the bathroom. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. So Bob, what's your, what's your movie? Like whether this is you, this is you and your wife, you and your boys or whatever, that if we, if we had the old school days of flicking the switch and doing the remote control thing, that if you stumbled across this movie, you would stick with it every time. Oh, that's a great question. So the Muppets, the original Muppet movie wow. um, and the first reboot uh, Muppet movie is flawless, like absolutely flawless. And the last per minute and the storylines and stuff. And so that's one that 
if if we're all if all five of our boys and my wife and I and we're sitting there and we're flipping around, that is a go to. Uh, close second would be The Incredibles. Okay. Yeah. So definitely some humor. So you're do you do you like get into it all to like documentaries or anything like that or stuff that's like hardcore serious with no laughs whatsoever or. I actually just watched a documentary. Whoa, my wife just walked in and she looks amazing. All right. <laughs> I love you. She's leaving. <laughs> Guys, this is We're keeping yeah, let's let's help people out on this podcast. So yes. if young listeners are and you're you're a young like junior high kid, do not spend time in the weight room. Get a joke book. Learn how to be funny because that's what women like. I think so, so I don't think there's any doubt. Um anyway, what was your wait a minute, what was, what your was question? It, you were watching a documentary? You said it was really good the other day? Oh, I just watched a documentary uh, yesterday on my trip back home about the amazing Jonathan, who's like a comedian magician. Okay. And it was fascinating because he was not a good person. Like he was, and this documentary uh, showed that, like showed like the debauchery and like just mean spirit and stuff. And so that, I've watched that documentary. I don't know. I'm a big Charlie Chaplin fan. So I've watched a lot of documentaries on him, but I read a biography every Christmas, okay. um, so I, I don't watch a lot of documentaries, but I try to pick somebody that's interesting to me and read a biography uh, during the Christmas break and stuff every year. Yeah, my wife likes a lot of like uh, self-improvement uh, video. I, I think she shows me these shows so I can learn how to fix things around the house, yeah. but she likes all those uh, reality shows and things like that. So I'll watch some of that stuff with her, but yeah, my go-to, my go-to thing is, is comedy because when I sit down and to watch something, I want to turn my brain off sure. and I want to be entertained. Yeah. I don't really want to be depressed or, you know, upset, or if I'm going to sit down and watch something, I don't want to have to, I know this is American thinking, but I don't want to have to think about yeah. anything. I want to turn my brain off and just be entertained for a little bit. So you've totally destroyed me in that I was going to encourage you. My wife and I just watched over the weekend the movie on Amazon Prime called 13 Lives about those boys uh, who got stuck in Thailand with their coach in a cave and that whole story that happened a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, that actually does sound fascinating. I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah, a lot, lot of laughs in that one. Just so you know, I'll, I'll prepare you now, Bob. There's a lot of laughs going on. And that movie so get get your laugh on and be ready for that one so knowing you bob and your comedy this might be very current but what is your favorite trendy clothing item that you've most bought into over time maybe it's old school maybe it's like the uh members only jacket or something what's you know behind or panama jack shorts or something i am not a fashion guy i i wear t-shirts like i i like old vintage t-shirts I like, I'm a big Han Solo fan. So I like pants with stripes down the side. Uh, so most of my pants have stripes, but I don't think anything I do is trendy. In fact, um, oh, this is one that I've held on to. I like white leather belts. I've, I always wear a white leather belt, usually with black pants that have stripes down the side and then some t shirt, you know, that may or may not have some writing or some image or something on it. But I know white belts are not cool. But I am holding on to that. I am going to wear that until I die. Well, we are in the same company. When I saw you that time, at least at first Christian, I remember, I think you had on a pretty cool hipper pair of jeans and I think a t-shirt or whatever. So you got me beat. So whatever you're wearing, it'll always be a bump up from whatever I'm doing. So, hey. Yeah. Oh, and Converse. I, I wear Converse uh, all the time. And thankfully, they've stayed kind of classy throughout you know, all the generations. Do you wear the Chuck Taylor type Converse or do you wear like Larry yep. Bird, Magic Johnson Converse? 
Nope. It's all Chucks. It's okay. all Chucks. And thanks for using that phrase because I, I'll, again, two nights ago, I, these kids came up for, uh, at my merch table and they all had different Chucks on. And I was like, dude, you guys are like a Chuck convention. And they didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. They were like, what are you doing? And I was like the converse. And they were like, Oh, Chucks. But yeah, I, I've, I'm not a shoe guy, but I do probably have like eight pair of Chucks in my closet. Well, you know, Converse out of nowhere feels like the last few years they've come back strong. I mean, they're not they're not knocking down Nike or anything like that. But the other place for me, and I've liked them for years. When Rhett Walker was on here, we had a good conversation about this. But uh, I've always liked Crocs, and I've always said I don't care they're not cool, I don't care they're not stylish, but I like Crocs. And now, if you watch high school and college basketball players, they're all wearing Crocs. Go to a big mm -hmm. basketball tournament, AAU, whatever. Whole lot of Crocs gonna be be worn right there. Yeah, my twenty three year old uh, who does like he he's not into fashion, but uh, he he's been wearing white Crocs for the last two years, and I make fun of him every time because that's my job as a dad. Yeah. But he's not like it doesn't it doesn't throw him at all. He's like. They're comfortable. They're easy to put on. Yep. I can wear them anywhere. We can go down to the creek and catch some snakes, or I can go to church. Yeah, you know. And so, it, yeah, it's. I I know my Croc days are coming, but I'm just not ready to to jump into it yet. Well, if not Crocs, let me introduce you to the ones I love a lot. Hey dudes, hey dudes, have it going on. They're kind of cool for guys in their fifties like me, and uh, they're easy easy to put on. If that's what your son's saying, sign me up. Easy to put on is what I care about. So. Hey, dudes, I'm, I'm bringing all kinds of value to your life today. I don't know if you're aware of that. We're going to talk trips and retreats after this, Montana, Indiana, other places. Hey, dudes, when you look them up when we're done, I bet you order a pair. Okay. You said order. You mean uh, get a pair for yeah. doing this podcast? <laughs> hey, we could talk about that as well. You do the trip with me, I'll buy your hey, dudes. That's a deal right okay. here in order. So, hey, Bob, I'm going to respect your time here. We're going to end with one closing question. Lots more we could talk about. I hope there's a part two to this, I would love to talk to you more. Who are you becoming? What is God doing in your life right now that you can look down the road and say a year from now, five years from now, whatever, Bob Smiley is becoming this? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, I think I'm becoming more compassionate for where everybody's at in their life and stuff, because I, I grew up in a very loving Christian home. I was, you know, uh, ended up doing a career that I never thought I would end up doing. Um, you know, I never pursued stand up, and now I'm, you know, 25 years into doing comedy. So I had a very charmed life, and um, we didn't really get into this, but like I was, I was married for 17 years. Um, we had three kids. She. Uh, met somebody with way bigger bank accounts and, uh, and left. And so I was a single dad for a while and, you know, trying to take care of the kids and stuff like that. And what I got out, there were so many things that God, you know, did in my life throughout all that, but, um, it made me more compassionate because, you know, up until that point, I'd never been broken. I'd never been hurt. I'd never been, uh, worried about, you know, being a single dad or, you know, any of these things. And now, I feel like I'm way more compassionate when people are in a tough time. One of my messages, you know, I'm a comedian, so it, it's a comedy show, but I try to put in a little bit of hope and a little bit of testimony and stuff in each show. And one of my big things that I'm promoting all the time is that we're built for community. You know, we're absolutely built for community and it's important to love on each other and and be able to just be real. And now when people come to me after the shows or they'll DM me, 
you know, through social media and stuff and say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm going through this stuff. There's no judgment. There's no anything. And so I think I'm becoming more compassionate about whatever situation people are in. And I can truly pray from the heart, you know, because I, you know, I ache for those people because I know what it's like to be hurting now. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that has kind of carried me through that I've learned along the way. You know, I love that. As you say, I've been thinking about that a lot for myself lately, thinking about Mark 9, or is it Matthew 9, where Jesus talks about looking over the crowds and seeing him help us harass like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion. And I'm thinking, I need to see that in a lot more ways than what I do. And I read this on the back of somebody's book the other day. There was some woman who wrote a book that just recently came out and talked about seeing people's heart and knowing they have a story that I'm not fully aware of that I need to know because anybody, if you knew their story, you'd end up loving them type of thing. And I'm like, I need to be more that way. My, my answer to that has been gentleness. I think God's really trying to deal, me with, deal with me in gentleness, but I think gentleness and compassion go very well together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll do what I can be to be more compassionate towards you as we sign off, Bob, and look at Hey Dude's website, send you some stuff. And I've committed to, I'm going to buy you a pair of Hey Dude's. So you have that commitment to Oh, me. dude, I was just I'm, joking. No, no, no. Hey, here's the deal I make in life with people. Uh, within reason, if someone jokes and says to me like, hey, why don't you buy me that? Or, yeah, thanks for buying my lunch for me today. Within reason, now if it's a car and it's one of my kids, the answer is no. But, or if it's even one of your kids, the answer would be no. But for you to say that about a pair of Hey Dudes, I love Hey Dudes. I love introducing people to them. You have my word on it. I'm going to buy you a, hair, a pair of Hey Dude shoes. Because I'll tell you, one time somebody famous in a professional sport made a comment to me about they were going to send me a pair of Nikes. They never did. And it kind of bummed me out. Like, mm-hmm. well, man, why would you even tell me that? You, this person's got a lot of money. They could do it. And I'm like, I didn't ask you to do that. But you said you'd do it. Should have done it. <laughs> um, so you ask, I'm going to do it. So I will send you a link later today. Hey dudes. And then we'll plan on wearing those in some retreat center trip out West trip down South. Bob, it's been a great pleasure. I, I, you have, you have definitely made my day better. Cause you've given me a couple thoughts and tips that I can apply to my life. So thanks for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. But honestly, you don't have to nope, get those it's for happening. me, size 11. It, it's happening. I'm, ele- I'm 11 on Hey Dudes as well. So we'll be, we can, we can wear each other's shoes. <laughs> Many blessings and much fruit to you, Bob. You too, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.